0: the Waste No Day podcast, a podcast specifically for and about the home services industry as it relates to plumbing, heating, air conditioning, and electrical. More than a podcast, Waste No Day is a credo, a determination, a mindset. It is a never-ending discipline. It is a refuse-to-lose pursuit. It is a wake-up call every morning to waste no day. Now here's your hosts, Brian Burton and Nate Minnick. Hey, welcome to the Waste No Day podcast. I'm your host, Nate Minnick, here with Brian Burton. Good to see you, Nate. How you doing, Brian? Good. And we are introducing a new subject today. Uh, this is part one of the podcast. Part two will be an interview with a special guest. His name is Ryan Veyu. He is the sales manager with One Hour Heating and Air Conditioning in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. But before that, we want to just break down the subject ourselves. And for that we need to first identify what the subject is. Today, we're gonna be discussing looking for opportunities and transitioning them into a repair versus replacement conversation. Brian, you have a quote for us? Luck
1: is what happens when preparation meets opportunity. Roman philosopher Seneca. Say it again for me.
0: Luck is what happens when preparation meets opportunity. Luck is what happens when preparation meets opportunity. It's such, such a true statement. I mean, a lot of times you'll hear people talking about, oh, I just got lucky, which, uh, you know, I suppose there is a possibility where you can just kind of fall your way into something good. You know what's funny is you hear a lot less people say they got lucky and a lot
1: more people say that someone else got lucky. <laughs> 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 Unless you scratched off a lottery ticket, you rarely fell into anything if if i mean we wouldn't meet our wives if we didn't have our hair cut and our clean
0: clothes on when we met them so that's the point though right i mean when it's you it's you worked hard when it's somebody else it's oh they got just lucky. got lucky right and so that i think that's really what that quote is talking about very very rarely does somebody just get lucky What it usually comes down to is that they worked their butt off, the opportunity presented itself, and they capitalized on it.
1: Yeah, I'm no fan of the lottery or scratch-off tickets or any of that stuff by any means. I'm wildly against it.
0: But um, even the person who won the lottery had to go buy that ticket. So I want to kind of transition this conversation then from that quote into our actual subject matter for today. So what does that quote have to do with looking for opportunity, Brian? Well, <clears throat> the, the quote tells you
1: one thing for sure is that you should be looking for opportunity in anything you're doing and everything you're doing. Um, we have to be on the lookout for an opportunity to present itself, and when we're in the home, that's all we should see is opportunity. Um, the preparation side being you better know your product. You better know your services. You you'd better have your uniform on and clean and immediately be somebody that someone else would want to do business with. Um, the truck parked in the right spot and having been washed and clean and ready to go, fully stocked, organized, all that stuff has to be taken care of. The preparation that goes into us meeting the homeowner that morning uh, is, there's a lot, a lot to it and it all has to be lined up and done for you to
0: be able to capitalize on an opportunity. I think that's what it really comes down to, Brian. I mean, if you're working for a home services company, right, you're going to have opportunity. I mean, if you don't have opportunity and you're not seeing any customers, you're not going to be in business very long. But assuming that you're seeing customers, you are seeing opportunity. There's just, they're, they're not different. They are exactly the same. A customer, a person that you are serving, a person whose house you are in today, there is going to be opportunities there that will present themselves. Not everybody can see it though. You, you, you have to be prepared to even see opportunity. So then that kind of takes us right into the subject matter itself. How does one learn how to look for opportunities? How do you become trained at catching or hearing or seeing the right things?
1: Good question, and, and if you're in this building and part of our team, um, certainly the, the best way is to come and see one of, one of those of us who train in selling and opportunity. If you're outside of this company or this building or you, know, you don't like me or Aaron or whomever and you, you want to know how to do it, find the person who's most successful at doing it in your organization and ask them, what opportunity do you look for? What do you see that I don't? You can't assume that somebody's just doing something wrong, which is what unsuccessful salespeople love to assume about successful salespeople. I've, I've seen it throughout my career, every company I've ever been at, the lowest guy uh, is always just taking shots at the highest guy and assuming he's doing something wrong. But you get those
0: two to do a ride along together and usually that changes completely. And that's really where I think jealousy comes into the equation. You mentioned earlier about you hear a whole lot of people talking about how that other guy got lucky. Why can't I? Or I worked really hard and that guy just got lucky. I mean, a lot of that is rooted in jealousy, right? When you see somebody else get the lottery or, I mean, when you see somebody else, uh, you know, post a $3,000 day or whatever it is, uh, that guy just got lucky. Well, are you saying that because you're jealous? You could be. uh, With the
1: lottery, that's probably pretty accurate. I think— and I'll use my own personal experience, when I was very new to the selling tech part of plumbing, um, I took a shot at the, the top guy at the company I worked for in Las Vegas, a guy named Mike. And my manager slash mentor, uh, Lance Fernandez, at that time, told me to go do a ride-along with him, brought him in and told him that I was going to do a ride-along with him, and I spent... Probably two or three days with him as a result, because I was so impressed by what I saw. But I took a shot saying he's just out there ripping, ripping off old ladies. Why did I say that? Because that's what the guys that had been there before me said, and I just assumed it had to be true. If I'm doing uh, you know, 25,000 a month in revenue and he's doing 55 back in 2004, well obviously he was ripping people off. I couldn't see the fact that he was better than me. He was more professional than me. He was better trained than me. He had put more time and effort into his presentation. He was connecting with his clients in a way that I, didn't, I couldn't even fathom. I had no idea it was even possible until I did that ride along. And the next time I heard somebody in, in a, before a meeting saying that he was a you know, snake oil salesman, I, I stopped the conversation and I said, let me tell you what I saw doing a ride along with him, I saw that this guy has an answer for everything. He's fully prepared. He's, he sees opportunity in the entire plumbing system. He leaves and his clients feel like they got something done today, unlike mine, who were recommended something and, and usually didn't go with it because I didn't I didn't paint a good picture. I wasn't uh, an effective communicator. I didn't relate to them enough. There, there was very little warm up, bonding, and rapport. Um, they, they didn't trust me yet, and I didn't make
0: them very excited about my product. Yeah, so to kind of paint a, a funny-looking picture, I mean, if you're wearing a suit, that suit is called jealousy. But, you know, underneath that suit is your underwear, and that's called lack of preparation and accountability. I mean, that's really what you're clothing yourself with. It's just excuses. I mean, that's what's underneath of it. You're calling other people lucky. You're saying that they're doing something wrong. You're saying that, uh, you know... Well, yeah. If they had this or they had that, they would be doing what I'm doing, or they wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. Whatever it is, I mean, it, it's it's just straight up. You don't want to hold yourself accountable to things. That's what it is. Is it
1: probably on the on the um, technician side is more of a lack of accountability. I'm I'm not saying Mike is doing twice as much business as I am and has higher customer ratings somehow um, because he's lucky. Because I'm jealous of him, I'm saying he's lucky because I can't look inside myself and say, You're not doing a good job. You're, you're lazy. I, I was being lazy. I wasn't putting the time in to train. I was listening to, you know, Jim Rome's morning sports radio show between calls while he was listening to the psychology of selling Brian Tracy's nine hour audio book. Um, and, and that's that was the difference between us. He was waking up and reading 30 minutes a day in either the plumbing trade or a, a book on selling. I was waking up 10 minutes before I had to get in the shower and running to work with my boots untied because I, I left no time for any preparation whatsoever. I saw what this guy did for, for his day for a few days and <clears throat> realized that he was just better prepared
0: than I was. And so I think there's really two parts to it. I mean, part one is admitting there's a problem. Hi, my name's Nate. I have a problem. I don't hold myself accountable. Hi, Nate. <laughs> part two is, okay, I've admitted there's a problem. Now how can I actually practically change? I mean, what can I make different? How can I train myself to see opportunities? I mean, it's got to start up in the mind first, right? That's when it gets exciting,
1: when you... when you you don't have to admit you have a problem, but you can just admit that somebody is doing it better than you, and they're doing it with high level of integrity and principles. So who is that person? Let's find them. And humble yourself to be able to go to that person. And here's a big challenge. A lot of that, a lot of times, that person can be much younger than you, and you might be a much better and more experienced technician, but that person, I mean, one of the highest producing technicians we have here at at the local one hour is a guy who's in his 20s i believe late 20s and he's a fairly new to the to the trade but his his clients write books about him i mean he is he is uh he builds such a connection with them and he is always always presenting options for for everything and i believe he was the number one producing uh truck revenue technician in one hour in 2019.
0: Yeah, and so you bring up a really good point, Brian, that um, we all are prone to picking up habits. You might call them mental trash along the way. Um, And if you are willing to humble yourself and say, hey, I'm, I'm open to learning from anybody, older, younger, uh, brand new to the trades, 30-year veteran, somebody not even in the trades. I'm opening to learning from anybody who can provide me with the next step forward. Like that is such a game changer.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But but that is, that is the way. I mean, I, I tell guys all the time. You've been watching The Mandalorian? <laughs> this is the way. <laughs> this is the way. Absolutely. Why wouldn't you? Um, I tell guys here all the time that you don't have much time with me to, to be trained I mean we we won't spend that much time together mostly just in the in the morning meeting training and if you can get in here for a few minutes during your week and we can we can train I'm all for it but by and large your biggest asset is your um, the university you attend that everybody attends I, I had another sticky note on my dashboard that said mvu and anytime I looked at it I remembered that i'm in enrolled in my vehicle university if if it's the work day and it's between the hours that i'm working driving to call driving to the shop what have you i am enrolled in a university and i will i will have uh, student loan debt if i don't pass this class and passing this class meant that i spent every minute that i was in that truck in that university learning by what was on the radio so the Jim Rome morning show was gone, out the window. The, I liked a lot of stand-up comedy. <clears throat> I, I got rid of it. I stopped listening to that stuff, and I started listening to audiobooks on selling, communicating, body language, um, <clears throat> even, even um, higher level, just life stuff, um, like uh, Stephen Covey, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, that kind of stuff. If I was in my vehicle, that's what I was listening to from then on and that was before we had Bluetooth. I mean, this is back to 2004, so a lot of time I had a- um, Break out the tape cassettes. Cassette, cassette tapes were huge. Um, those kind of went away and it became uh, CDs and, and
0: then, what
1: was it, iPod, was it?
0: Side note, for those of you who are younger and are not familiar with what a tape cassette is, it's a physical device about the size of your phone that you would actually have to put into a player and hit a play button on and then if you wanted to actually hear what you just heard again, you would hit something called the rewind button.
1: That's right, little piece of plastic. So I, I remember, please go to side B, and you just pop that thing out and flip it over and start over. Um, but it became I think, iPods before the iPhone existed. Um, and I would just have a headphone plugged into that thing, and I'd have one headphone hanging in my right ear that I'd be listening to as I was driving. All audiobook all, all all the time. That's all I would listen to inside the truck and there were times when I was frustrated when I would slip away from that and just go back to the radio or something and I don't know the amount of of uh, damage I did during that time, but I know I wasn't progressing the way I should have been. It, it's literally a fast forward button to success in your career to say that anytime it's the work hours, I'm only gonna listen to something that's making me better. Um, now on the way home, I would, I would never do it. On the way home from work, my last call, I would always listen to something. Um, I don't know if I was gonna do anything, maybe like something family related, a sermon, a podcast, now, something like that, but I'm trying to get my work hat
0: off and my husband and father hat on, on my way home. That's such a powerful illustration, Brian, that MVU, My Vehicle University. And, and really, I mean, that's what Waste No Day podcast is supposed to be about. It's, it's not supposed to be the be-all to end-all. It's one resource that you can listen to on your drive. And there is thousands of other resources out there that you can and should listen to. Absolutely. Way,
1: way better content than we can give you um, by, by much smarter people and people who have trained to do this kind of thing. Um, I, we don't want this to be the only thing anyone listens to. It's frankly, not enough of it. But if the only thing anybody
0: gets out of this is to start listening to that kind of stuff, then we've been wildly successful. OK, so we've handled the awareness piece of things, which is I know that I could probably make some improvements here. I know that I need to do a better job of, uh, you know, filling my mind with actual training materials as opposed to the latest pop song. Um, I know that I need to at least be humble enough to learn from people who can teach me new things. Let's take it into the application process then. So once we kind of have this mental attitude that, yep, we're willing to try new things, yep, we're willing to look for opportunities, yep, let's go. Let's take it out into the field. I mean, what does that practically look like, Brian? What What do these guys do first thing? Um,
1: to me, the, fir- the very first thing you have to do is <clears throat> present options. And we'll certainly get more into that with, with Ryan when we interview him. But the very first thing you have to do is, um, well, I guess start seeing the system in the home as a whole. And if you're, if you're in the plumbing field, our, our service manager in the plumbing division here at Roars Lancaster, Ben Franklin, told me when I was in a truck, we were just, we were both technicians together. He said, I look at the water meter and work my way back to the main sewer line. And I look at everything in between. I see this system as a whole to start with. And that that always stuck with me. Um, That's how you want to see a plumbing system. If you're going to look at a water heater, you're not looking at a water heater, you're looking at the whole plumbing system. And if you say that, it's part of your upfront contract with the homeowner when you get there that I, I look at your system as a whole.
0: It makes it a lot easier to see the entire thing. Right, and this is something that the medical community can really teach to us. I mean, so anytime that you go to the doctor, I don't care what it's for. If you're there for your ear, if you're there for your toe, if you're there for something in your stomach, they do a full workup on you. You're getting the blood pressure, you're getting the, you know a, a minor physical exam, they're checking your, your chest. They're going over your medical history and all that stuff. It's all relatable because it is all potentially something that needs to be brought up as, in their world, not an opportunity, but more of a preventative uh, assessment. I mean, if you went to the doctor because your finger was broken and the doctor only looks at your finger and only sets the finger in the bone and sends you on your way, and the next day you die. Of a heart attack, because the doctor never checked, you know, your your blood pressure, any of those types of things. I mean, who's at fault there? <laughs> you
1: are most likely.
0: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm not That's... trying to absolve people of personal responsibility, but what I'm saying is that the, it's the doctor. It is the professional's job to make people aware of things that perhaps they're not aware of. Certainly, yeah, and and you would, you would, and maybe it's
1: not as extreme as dying uh, the next day, but. If there was something ailing you that a doctor should have caught in the initial checkup, um, even if you didn't hold the doctor accountable, that doctor should feel pretty bad about himself and the way he did his job, and us as technicians in the home should feel the same way. If I'm out to a house to unclog a toilet and their water heater lets go a week later, they don't necessarily hold us accountable or uh, responsible for it, but when they call in, they almost always say, why didn't your plumber catch this when he was here? And they should say that, because if I go to unclog a toilet, always the first thing I say before I get to it is, before we get to this toilet, can you show me where your main shutoff valve is? Why? Just in case. Just in case. I just I need to know where it is. And on your way to that main shutoff valve that they probably can't even lead you to, in most cases I found that they didn't actually know where it is, um, you get to see the water heater you get to see where the water treatment is if there is any Um, you get to see a lot of their piping most of the time in the basement um, and and what condition it's in you get to see a lot of things and that to me was was checking the heart rate and then I was going to throw a gauge on the on one of the hose bibs and check the uh, blood pressure you know the, the water pressure and these were all things I did at any call I ever went to as, as part of the service, I mean, I would say whatever your service call fee is, you're paying $76 to get me out here. Part of that $76 means here are the things I'm going to do, and I always did them. Test the water quality. Test the pressure. Check the water heater. Usually do a water heater flush. I try to do that on every call. Just be thorough and check everything. And it's no different if you're doing the, elec- the electric or the HVAC. You should see every part of that system for anything you've gone to the home for. That should just be part of it. And not necessarily uh, for the opportunity, but just as a service to that client. That's just part of what we do. And while you're doing all that, opportunity pops up like crazy, like a whack-a-mole game.
0: Yeah, I mean, Brian, you and I work in the area known as the Amish community of the country, right? Lancaster, Pennsylvania. So there's a lot of Amish. and they drive horse and buggies. And anytime that you see a horse and buggy on the road, if you look close enough at the horse, you'll notice that he has blinders on the horse. And the blinders there for a specific reason, to keep the horse's attention focused on what's in front of him, as opposed to what's around him. Now, when you're a technician in the field, you want to do the opposite. Yes, you certainly want to address the problem that needs addressed. You want to fix or handle what they called you out there to do so or do for but you don't want to do so blindly in the way that you're not also paying attention to things around you if you're working with blinders on you're, you're missing things you're like that doctor who is only worried about the immediate concern and you don't ask any other questions about the health of the system so I mean, like brian said in in the plumbing you know work your way backwards from the water meter or in HVAC, take a look at the entire system, take a look at the ductwork, take a look at the registers. Uh, I know you're there to do you know, a gas furnace. Well, why don't you at least examine the outdoor unit to see what condition that's in? Uh, in? In electrical, you know, it could be the panel, it could be, are there smoke detectors in the home? Are there CO detectors in the home? Are the receptacles backstabbed? There's opportunities everywhere if you just take off the blinders and start looking.
1: I thought you were going to mention the um, fact that I just washed my car and drove through horse manure. But yeah, (laughs) the uh, tunnel vision is not something you want to have as a technician when you're servicing somebody's home whatsoever. Nothing
0: could be worse for you or for that homeowner. All right. So I'm a technician. I bought into the idea that I should pay attention. I've now opened up my eyes. I'm looking for opportunities. I'm walking around the home, seeing things. They're starting to pop out now. It's just like when you buy... You know, when you buy your very first uh, sports car, you start driving around and you're like, wow, everybody's got one of these. Well, no, that's not the case. You're now just aware that everybody has one of those. And it's the same amount of people that had them all the time. So you're in the home. You're seeing these opportunities. They're starting to become aware to you. You're starting to see things that you haven't seen before. Where do we go from here, Brian?
1: Well, now you need uh, the training to present these things in a way that it makes sense to the homeowner. And that does not come naturally, uh, despite the fact that most technicians think it does or think it should. You can't really be naturally good or naturally bad at that. You can either be trained or untrained. And the best way to to see that you're untrained is find the person who's really successful and go watch them do it. Do do the ride-along, do several ride-alongs. Uh, go, go in on your day off and don't charge the company for your time. I'm, I'm telling you, there's no better way to do it than to, to eat into your own time to do it, unpaid time. Um, it, it's just the best way. I mean, if you look at the averages in, in universities, um, the grades tend to be so much higher in people who have to pay their own way and take on student loan debt than people who had a scholarship or parents pay their way. Um, because it's, you're, you're using your own time and money. <clears throat> so I would always say get with somebody who's doing it well, watch them do it, lend that helping hand while you're in there, make sure it was worth their time as well, take notes, and then go fix it. You go look at your presentation, your communication style, and, and fix it. Use that university on wheels and, and spend time listening to stuff that, that will make you better. And then practice practice is the the biggest one. You you're not gonna listen to enough audiobooks or podcasts and you're not gonna watch somebody else do it enough and you're not gonna read enough to make you instantly better at it. You're gonna have to go out there and fail over and over again and just get beat up and hear the word no and and practice until you perfect that art of a presentation and then slowly but surely you'll you'll notice yourself getting way better at it and it won't just happen in the client's home you'll get way better at communicating in general you'll you'll see yourself communicating with the waitress at the restaurant better with you know your your spouse with your children with your friends you just get better and better
0: the opportunities piece of that brian is so critical and that like you said once you start doing it you're going to get some pushback on it which you know that's okay but that doesn't mean that the opportunities dry up, right? You have to push through that. You have to be able to say that, okay, I'm still seeing these things. I mean, once you see a water heater leaking, it can't be unseen. Once you see a federal Pacific panel hanging on the wall, it can't be unseen. So you just need to push through that challenge, you know, overcome that objection from the customer and don't let it affect the next time that you see that opportunity. If you do so, I mean, you're just going to be walking around with a lot of unresolved issues and not be able to communicate them. And so it's critical, like Brian said, to be able to get in a practiced and well understood um, communication style with the customer so that you can make the most of the opportunities that are presented to yourself. Absolutely, Nate. So step, step one, ladies
1: and gentlemen, uh, find somebody who does it better than you. Humble yourself and go do a ride-along with them. Go watch them do what they do. Take notes. See what you can do better and try to implement it yourself. Step two, don't waste any more time between calls. Start listening to something that's going to make you better, period, anytime it's during the workday. And step three is practice,
0: practice, practice, practice. So good, Brian, so good. All right, well, that wraps it up for this part one of the podcast. Be sure to listen into, for part two, our special guest will be Ryan Value, sales manager uh, with one hour heating and air conditioning in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And he will be talking about his field experience with taking and looking for opportunities and then taking them into the conversation with the customer and what that looked like for him. But hey, that calls it uh, day for us. If you like what you hear and you're interested in working for a team that understands and values what it means to be a tech, if you want to know and understand more about looking for options and how that translates into rewards and abilities for you, come check us out. We're hiring all the time. You can find us on Facebook or you can hit us up on our website at wastenoday.com. Share this podcast with as many people as you know. Get them interested. This is an opportunity for you uh, right now, right into your ears. You can share this opportunity with somebody else make the most of it. We want to remind you to not spend your days wishing for more. You have every opportunity right in front of you to go get it. Never settle. And you always have the choice to waste no day. This podcast is a production of the South Central Pennsylvania Branch of One Hour Heating and Air Conditioning, Benjamin Franklin Plumbing, and Mr. Sparky Electric.